Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series with P.H. Thompson. This is Exodus chapter 13. Verses 1 through 16, Consecration of the Firstborn. Related to the Passover night in which the firstborn of the Israelites, who obeyed instructions to apply blood over their doors, God now tells them, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. The idea behind consecration is to devote or dedicate something as holy. It's an acknowledgement that they deserve death, but they've been spared and they're thankful. That night the firstborn person or animal died, therefore God wants them to remember it every time the firstborn of every person or animal is born, and then is to be set aside to God as holy. He can command this because he owns all things. They belong to me, he says. The exodus, or day they were leaving Egypt and slavery behind, was to be commemorated yearly once they arrived in their new land. God describes Canaan as the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was currently occupied, but God would dispossess them of the land. He could do this because the whole earth is his. It was a fulfillment of the covenant promise God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob hundreds of years earlier. It is described as flowing with milk and honey, indicating abundance. Included in it was a week of eating unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. Yeast is a symbol of sin. God anticipated their children would ask the meaning of the practice. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This great event was not abstract, but was to be personalized. Only this generation could say what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Subsequent generations would say, what the Lord did for us when we came out of Egypt, in the sense of for our nation. So this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and on a, a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. It was to be obvious, like signs on their hands or foreheads, they were to speak of God's laws. Doing this yearly would help them not to forget what God did for them. Later, they would take this literally and make phylacteries, which were leather prayer boxes strapped to the left arm or forehead. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Because the Lord was giving them the land, they were to give the firstborn to him. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Unlike the pagan nations around them and which they were dispossessing, they were not to practice child sacrifice. God did not demand that. They were to redeem the firstborn son with the sacrifice of a clean animal. 
firstborn clean animals were to be sacrificed, and for animals that would be considered unclean, like a donkey, they were to be sacrificed uh, by a clean animal in its place. This tells us that there was already some concept of the idea that animals were which were approved because of the Passover lamb or goat. Again, God tells them how to answer their children in the future. In days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Verses 17 to 18. The Long Way Home The trip to the Promised Land is not left up to them. God is the one leading them. He could have taken them there by the shortest route possible, through Philistine territory. But he knew that military battles so early would discourage them. We're given God's reasoning. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Also, God wanted to bring them to Mount Horeb first. God's leading may sometimes not make sense to us, but it is the best way. God would judge Pharaoh's army and test the Israelites in the wilderness. It would only be seen at the end of their journey, as ours is. Verse 19, Joseph's command fulfilled. Because their ancestor Joseph was an important person in Egypt's history about 360 years earlier, his body had been embalmed and placed in a coffin. He was not buried in the sand like most people. Either the Israelites had possession of his bones, or Moses, because of his own history in the palace of Egypt, was able to get them. We are told Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. He showed faith in the word of God that the people of Israel would not remain in Egypt forever. Hebrews 11.22 links this to Joseph's faith. By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. This was another link back to the book of Genesis, which was also written by Moses. Even though they were, there were now over two million Israelites living in Egypt, their real home was in Canaan, and they were now going home. This act of obedience by Moses confirmed that God kept his promises. Joshua would later bury his body in Shechem, completing the fulfillment of Joseph's command. Verse 20, next stop. Because this was a historical document recording dates and countries and leaders, it also includes their travel itinerary. They had left Egypt from Ramses and went to Succoth. Now they left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. With all those people, the only option for accommodations was to camp. Verses 21 and 22, Pillar of Fire and Cloud So how exactly would God lead the Israelites? Not by secret messages or impressions to Moses, 
nor by speaking from heaven, but by a visible, supernatural sign. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So this was a single, single pillar that was fire at night and cloud by day. The visible sign of the presence of God was with them day and night and was at the head of their company leading them. Psalm 68.4 celebrated this. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, it was associated with God's presence and the angel of the Lord. God also spoke to them from it, and this prefigured Jesus. Psalm 78.14 would remind them of this. He guided them with the cloud by day and with light from the fire all night. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of the gospel or Jesus do we find in this chapter? Jesus was the firstborn son of Mary and of God. He was redeemed at birth according to the law. Like the Lamb of God, a clean animal, he is sacrificed in place of the unclean animals, us. Any unclean animal not redeemed was to be killed. If an unsaved person is not redeemed, he will suffer physical and spiritual death. Jesus is our substitute. We deserve to die, but he took our place. Like the annual feast at the Lord's Supper, we recall this great exchange. We not only remember, but we partake. This is the theological term, substitutionary atonement, seen here and in all previous and subsequent animal sacrifices, and fully displayed when Jesus died on the cross in our place. Being redeemed from slavery and spared the punishment we deserve personalizes our worship. He died for me, I'll live for him. They were to use this festival as a teaching moment. We are to use the knowledge we've been given to encourage ourselves and teach others. They saw God revealed in the pillar of cloud and fire. We see God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. This pillar led, assured, directed his people and revealed his glory. Jesus does that for us. The pillar of fire lit their path with light. Jesus is the light of the world, and his word lights our path. In the old covenant, God wanted his law to be in their mouth. In the new covenant, it is to be in our hearts. Continue listening for Exodus chapter 14. May God bless the study of his word.